0: So as you guys have already heard, we're missing some of our students, actually all of them basically, but um, you know, it's, it's just part of having the church that we have and it's, it's fun but then also kind of funny because we're talking to some, of the, some new people and it's just like one of those kind of odd things where like, oh yeah, you know, like 50, 60% of our church could be gone any random amount of time. If I really thought about it, maybe I would put less effort into this sermon too, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm Joshua, I'm one of the staff here. I actually was a student in Focus, so like many of us here, I grew kind of up in my uh, spiritual walk with Jesus at UNT in Focus, and when I came here, I wasn't planning on even continuing to follow Jesus. I grew up in church, but it wasn't like a big deal for me. It wasn't something I was like really determined to continue doing, but God worked through people in Focus, and he reached me through them, and, and they really... He redirected my life, and I can't put into words how grateful I am. It's just like hard to know, like, what would my life have been like? I have no idea, but I'm really glad this is what my life is. I was discipled and focused, graduated, continued being discipled in this church community. We've been around for like eight-ish years, something like that, as a church. Then I went and worked for a humanitarian ministry for about four and a half years. And then um, as of a couple weeks ago, I've been on staff here for two years, which is really cool. Um, And it's amazing how long two years can feel when you're the one having to pretend... For like that long, like anything I'm talking about, makes any sense. So you guys are like, hasn't it been 10 years? Um, anyway, so we're missing our students this week, but that's okay because we are talking about our mission vision values, and it's always worth it to do that, whether it's just five of us in the room or you know, 100 or whatever. So, um, and Leslie mentioned last week that we like to begin each semester revisiting this stuff um, and making sure that we're reconnecting to it, reminding ourselves why we exist as a church, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, before you put the slide up, I wanted to see, does someone feel brave enough to, to say what our mission is without looking at it? Ooh. Anyone? Oh, Adam, you got this, dude. <laughs> One cup of coffee at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, is it, are you actually volunteered? No? Anybody? Yes. Yep. Yes, we're getting super close. Anybody that's not Leslie and I know one of you guys knows this. Yes, yep. There we go. I think it's an open notes thing. So open notes test. She had it in her notes. It counts. And Grant said it too, so you guys both get credit. Does anybody know what our vision is? Nice, nice. Easier, shorter. Okay, here's the hardest one. What are our values? Okay, deep okay got two of them. Yep. Yes, yes, we got them all. We got them all. We did it. Now we can put the slide up so you can see what they all are. Yeah. yeah. To make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus is our mission. To be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. It's our vision. Values are simple devotion to Jesus, deep relationships, form community, growing leaders, everyday outreach, love of God's word. I pulled this same deal whenever uh, I was at one of the pastoral cohort meetings uh, last month. And everyone in that room, they're all from different churches in our family of churches. We have five churches as part of our family of churches spread out across the DFW area. Everyone had a hard time. So don't feel bad. It doesn't seem to me like one of the churches is way better at this or whatever than others. Yes. Well, we'll see. We can tell people that we were, you know. Um, Anyway, so that is our mission and our vision and our values. And see why it's important to like... And this is, don't feel any shame about not having it memorized, but just see why it's important to revisit it. You know, we, we fill our minds with other stuff. We are doing other things. We're busy people. We go think about other stuff. The things we're thinking about in our faith and trying to grow in, there's a bunch of things there. And then trying to remember what we're doing at the 10,000-foot view together as a community, why we exist as a church. It's easy to kind of lose track of it. It's easy to forget it. So don't feel any shame. And uh, the good thing, too, is that when I was thinking about doing that, I almost didn't, but the students are here, so we don't have to feel that embarrassed. We didn't have a big audience making fun of us about not knowing everything, but we really did get it pretty well. Um, and so if you want a more sort of formal step-by-step kind of introduction uh, about what our mission vision values are and why they are that, we did a, a kind of more formal version of that in the fall. And so this these sermons that we're doing are a little bit more kind of honing on specific things that have been on our hearts Um Leslie Hogan hung down specific stuff last week. And so in my trying to figure out what to talk about, um, I kind of came up with four reflections or observations on our mission and vision values. As I've been thinking about these things in the past couple weeks, I kept having kind of small thoughts come to mind, none of which really made up a whole sermon on their own, unless I just talked really slow, uh, which I'm not known to do. So I put four of these thoughts together, things I felt that God was bringing to my mind on the topic of our mission, vision, values, things that I'm um, thinking we could we could meditate on a little bit, and I'm calling it a sermon, okay? So it is one, all right, now that I said that. So um, so those can stay up for a bit, but then we'll, we'll move on in just a second. Um, but the first thing that I, um, actually maybe what we could do is, after I say a point, um, if I reference them again, you could put it up just to help people, the cheat sheet or something like that, but let's put up the first point, I just was thinking uh, that I wanted to say, yeah, be encouraged because God's seeing our obedience. I believe he's seeing our obedience um, in these things, and he is guiding our community. I really believe that. So we introduced the aspect of values for our community for the first time a little over a year ago at our church retreat in October of the year before this most recent one, whatever it was, 2021. And um, so a year and three months ago. And even when we introduced them then, we weren't choosing them to pat ourselves on the back about things we were already great at. We kind of kind of clear about that. We chose them because we felt they, they were things that God wanted us to value, specifically and distinctly in our community, wanted us to value. Not things that we are already great at. Um, last month in one of our leader meetings, Troy and Mitch uh, led a discussion about sort of just asking about the health of our mission and vision and values and um, just let all the leaders weigh in, and we talked about it for quite a while, and um, they asked the question something like, where are you seeing our mission, vision, values values demonstrated well in our community? And people said small groups, uh, a bunch of leaders said small groups, that they really enjoy their small groups, they feel like there is a our small groups are revolving around this idea quite a bit, um, and trying quite actively to stay on our mission, vision, and values, and that um, our conversations this year, the curriculum that we're doing, the things that we're trying to focus on have also been helping with that. And so a lot of our leaders said that again, Leslie and I were hands off. We weren't trying to say like, what about the small groups? Do you guys like the small groups? What about the preaching? Do you guys like the preaching? We weren't doing any influencing at all. Okay. Um, these are what our leaders said, and this is what God's doing, not us. Okay. Um, some people said the kids ministry has been really exciting to see. There was before COVID, we had like one or two kids, something like that. And we came back, started meeting together again, and we've had a baby boom in a way. Um, and so there's been at least relative to our young church, it feels like that. It's not really the kind of boom I'm sure that some churches experience where something's in the water, and suddenly there's like thirty kids. but um but ours is going from like barely a kid's ministry to having one, and um, it's been really exciting. the people who volunteer have said that they've really just enjoyed it. they feel like. It's just been a lot of fun and, and brought joy and some um, just liveliness to our church a little bit, which has been really fun. Ezra loves it. So my son, who's two, he uh, when we, every he's excited about church every single week. Then after church, he misses church. He's always like, more church, more church. And then he'll be like, all our friends. That's what he says a lot. <laughs> if people are at our house and they leave, or if we're here with a bunch of you guys and then we leave, he's like, all our friends really, really miss them. So... I don't know. They, I think we should just ask the two-year-olds what they think, and that seems pretty good, you know what I'm saying? Ask the kids. And so the, God's moving at our kids' ministry, you know? Our kids like being here. The kids, at least who can say that they have an opinion about it, like being here. <laughs> um, and That's a good thing. I mean, I think about, like, just one of the things that uh, vision has been cast about our kids' ministry is just that our kids would like to be in church, would enjoy it, feel like they're, they're here with their friends and family and enjoy God, enjoy being here, um, and not trying to accomplish way, way more than that, or other things at the expense of that. Does that make sense? So um, some of our leaders said that we talk about hard things well in our church, and I really looked closely at their face to see if they were being sarcastic or not, (laughs) Um, but they meant that earnestly, so, um, and I didn't, we didn't show them our inboxes or uh, the phone calls we get or anything like that at all, so they earnestly think that, um, and one, one thing that people, a lot of people said is that warm community is improving in our church. That's one that um, Leslie specifically honed in on last week, but that it's improving. Things are getting warmer. We have not, like, really gotten to a place where we're like, yep, yeah, good, check that off, we're all done there. But um, someone talked about how it feels fun to just come and help in the mornings. I can't remember who mentioned that, but there's someone who... Doesn't necessarily have to be here early every time, but they come because they feel like, oh, there's going to be people talking in the kitchen that are making the coffee, or after the chairs guys set up, they're just talking in the back or whatever, and uh, just a, a general vibe of of warmth in the mornings here on Sunday that they really enjoy, um, and that was cool to hear, and then also that we just um, have prioritized growing leaders well, and we have a lot of avenues for that. That's one thing that our our leaders shared that they feel like there's resources for them to continue growing as leaders, and they feel like there are are ways for new people to jump in and be able to grow as well. So those are some things that our leaders share that I I really think God's working there. Um, And I think that it's good to be able to say that there's some progress being made and be praising God for that. In Philippians, um, it says like this, "...for it is God who's working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose." It's his purposes, and he's the one doing the stuff. So we just get to shout him out and acknowledge when he's working. God's the one doing good things. He gets credit. Let's ask him to keep doing more, please. Keep continuing in that direction. Honestly, I think it's good to take a moment to see that our obedience to God can make a discernible difference over time um, so we don't grow weary. You know, don't grow weary of doing good. It can bear good fruit, so let's keep at it. Let's not grow weary. Amen. There's this part in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, where Frodo and Sam discover in the books, I don't know if they really actually, I can't remember if they address this in the movies or not. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) Discover that they're basically going in circles. They split off from the group, they're going in circles, they keep coming across the same rock formations, they keep hitting the same dead ends in the path, and then doubling back to try to find another way. Then they only end up going the same direction again that they'd already gone. Eventually they finally find a different way and get out of the loop that they were in And it's such a relief to them. They're finally making some progress. But unfortunately, if you know the story, they have a very, very long journey ahead of them still. There's so much uncertainty, difficulty, danger ahead, but they are getting somewhere now, and that's really great news. I'm not claiming that our church has been anywhere close to the sort of bleakness that Frodo and Sam (laughs) are experiencing at all, or that we're up up to that kind of danger, or like that uh, what we're doing is as grand as destroying evil once and for all, like they were up to. Um, But... I don't want to be saying that we've really been going in circles for a long time necessarily either, but two things that we do have in common with them, I think that we can celebrate the progress that we're seeing God making in our community and acknowledge that the, the long journey is still ahead. Um, but what is a journey but a bunch of small progresses, a bunch of small progresses? So I think we can, we can uh, sort of uh, see some similarities with us in Frodo and Sam. Um, anything I can to Lord of the Rings, I do, and then it makes sense to me. So, um, if you if that help is helpful, helpful for you, then then you're welcome. But um, so be encouraged. God's seeing our obedience, and He is guiding our community. I really believe He is. Um, the next reflection I have is that uh, we have to maintain a hyper focus on Jesus as a community, and I realize how obvious this sounds. Hyper focus on Jesus. We're a Christian church. Like, duh, isn't that what all churches should be doing? um jesus is really all over our mission and vision values already how much more sort of hyper focused could we be on him but you may also have noticed that as a staff team and leaders we've taken a conscious effort to sort of double down on our jesus focus lately we had a long sermon series over the summer into the fall on uh, gospel stories where we just spent a lot of time in the gospels we've talked about apprenticeship to jesus on sundays it's been a big theme lately we're taking talking about our small groups rather than doing topical small groups which we've done in the past We did a series about the Lord's Prayer, a.k.a. Jesus' guide on how to pray. We made Come, Let Us Adore Him, the focus of our Sundays leading up to Christmas. So we're pretty pumped about this Jesus guy. And I don't really think we could overdo it, you know? I don't think that's a problem that most churches should be really worrying about. Are we talking about Jesus too much? Are we making him too much the center of what we're doing, what we're talking about, what we're thinking about? I think many of us in the room already know Jesus' importance firsthand in our lives. We are lost without him. We're separated from God without him. Without him, we don't have a perfect model of how to live. Um, we don't know how to live our lives in a God-glorifying human way. Uh, Jesus removes our sin, he forgives us, and changes us from the inside. I think as Manny was just reminding us about when he was talking about communion, he makes us new. He's a really big deal. Um, it's totally okay to be super focused on him. The other thing that's true about Jesus is that he can't share the stage or the throne. He's got to be the only one there. He's got to be the only one in that throne we like to try to squeeze ourselves in there as often as we can, but um, he can't share the throne. Scripture speaks to this idea of being really focused on Jesus, especially in the, um, a lot of let- Paul's letters to different churches in the that early church time period. In Romans 12, um, in the message, there's this little line that just kept sticking out to me, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. Um, I already had that in there, and then this week I hung out with Mitch, and he said something to the effect of the message being, like, for fourth graders or something like that. What was it? I'm just kidding. He didn't actually say that. Um, But I was like, he said something that I was like, I could misconstrue that pretty well. I think I will, actually. Um, And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliant speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Wouldn't it be great if people spend some time around our community and most of what they hear about, most of what they get an impression about, is Jesus, um, not human wisdom, not um, wise words or persuasive stuff. It's a really strong point Paul's making. I chose to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. Of course, he's speaking past tense about when he initially um, arrived in Corinth, was working with them, but we have the rest of the New Testament to know that Paul both knows more and does address other things. There's other things important to talk about, Um, but this sentence makes a clear distinction about priorities and importance. Establishing Jesus as the sole foundation of the church. He talks essentially about the same idea in Colossians, just making Jesus the sole foundation center of what we're doing. This is a bit of a longer passage in Colossians 2, 4 through 10. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are in the strength of your faith in in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Just think about that for a second. No one make sure that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. The entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Um, there's a real value in thinking about and making sure we're not drifting that far away from, um, in our thinking and what we're talking about, what we're sharing with each other, about a very, very strong connection to Jesus. And that He's our whole reason for being here, our whole reason for existing, our whole reason for uh, what we're even trying to accomplish as a church. Um, in Joshua, He establishes a similar kind of commitment, a similar kind of like hyper focus on. On God. Um, I did a longer sort of rant, kind of post about this on our social network deal, but um, I'll just do a shorter version here. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. This is Joshua basically just talking to all of Israel and trying to really get them to take this stuff seriously. Fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, Choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods of your ancestors you worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living? As for me and my family, we are going to worship the Lord. We are going to worship the Lord. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to waver. That's what he's saying. We're not going to waver. Our minds are made up. Our sights are set. But you choose for yourself. Choose for yourself. But here, this is what we're going to be doing Our church is going to have a singular focus on Jesus, so we don't drift or wander. We don't want to do that. It is not worth the risk. We do not want to drift or wander. We're going to be very singularly focused on Jesus. Um, And it's really quite sad, but we get some glimpses in the early church of what it's like, what it looks like when the churches wander a bit, when they kind of lose their way, when they get stuck on some stuff, when they have some conflict. We see a lot of that stuff. But one of the things that's stuck with me quite a bit is this little section in Revelation 2, These are letters being written to the churches, um, and they address a bunch of different things. But um, you'll still be able to get the point of this, even if you haven't wandered into Revelation. I understand why you might not want to, because it's a kind of overwhelming book. But this is very understandable. This is what this letter to the church says. I know your works, your labor. uh, This is to the church in Ephesus, by the way. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, that you cannot tolerate evil people. You've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. You've found them to be liars. I know you've persevered. You've endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you've not grown weary. But I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Wouldn't that be so heartbreaking to hear, to receive a letter like that? There's things you guys did really well, but you forgot the main thing. That would be so heartbreaking. The things you first loved, the whole reason for existing, the whole reason for everything you're doing, you forgot. That would be such a tragedy. I think we can avoid that. We have to maintain a hyper focus on Jesus as a community. Um, That point, I realize, may not need to be made, but I think it's just one that we, yeah, it can be a sort of cautionary tale to know that it happens all the time either individually or as a, as a community. But I do want to talk at the same time, too, about how we think about our faith, how we think about our individual walk with Jesus. And we've been using the phrase apprenticeship to Jesus. We've been borrowing and adopting that. Um, and so my third sort of reflection is just we must keep apprenticing under Jesus as individuals. We must keep thinking about our walk with God as an apprenticeship under Jesus It's really best piggyback off the the previous point, too, because it's keeping Jesus very much at the center. But I wanted to give some separate emphasis to it so that we turn inward for a moment, we think inward about what we are each individually doing. What are we doing to become like Jesus now? Um, It's to help us remember that following Jesus is this tangible, tactile thing that we can approach it that way. Um, I think that's what is so challenging sometimes about thinking about our faith, is it feels very disconnected from reality sometimes, and we lose track of, of a good way to think about it, and we feel sort of just stuck and floundering. If we think of ourselves as apprentices, we're studying under a rabbi. We're learning a skill. We are copying somebody. We are trying to live like somebody lived. Um, a tangible, tactile approach to train, learn, and study and mimic our rabbi Jesus. And it centers around three simple goals, which I'll just remind you about. We can show that slide as well. Um, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. This language we borrowed and adopted is more than just really a theme. It is deeply connected to our mission, vision, values. It's not just a, a thing we wanted to kind of touch on for a semester or two. We want to keep coming back to this, keep coming back to this, keep ourselves anchored in a tactile tangible way that we are following Jesus. It's about the ways that we spend time with him. It's about the things that we're trying to uh, relinquish to let ourselves become like him inside. It's about trying to do what he did, do what he would do if he were here now, if he was one of us. What would he be doing? How would he be living his life? Who would he spend time with? What decisions would he make? Um, There's so many things we can think about. It doesn't just have to be like this really stuck in our heads thinking about our faith but what are we doing are we spending time with jesus are we becoming like him are we doing what he did a community that's made up of individuals that's what a community is it's made up of individuals and at the individual level we must be committed apprentices of jesus or the sum of our parts doesn't really amount to much you know what i mean if we're a bunch of not really apprentices we're not going to be doing much at the sort of community-wide level uh it won't that amount to much. Um, the sum of our parts would end up being a bunch of lost sheep who don't want to be led, to just to mix a bunch of metaphors and sayings. Um, the sum of our parts doesn't amount to much if we're not apprenticing to Jesus at the individual level. Right. This idea is both deeply woven into the first century world that Jesus and his disciples were in, but it's also deeply scriptural. It's all over scripture, this idea of uh, this way of following Jesus, this way of following God and making him The king of our lives. In 1 John, he says this, the one who says he remains in him, meaning Jesus, should walk just as he walked. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. In Luke, um, Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher, will become like his teacher. Um, In Romans, Paul has this great i mean a bunch of great sections but uh, leslie and i when we were planning for this year spent some time in romans and here's what he says in romans 12 here's what i want you to do god is helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping and you're eating you're going to work you're walking around life place it before god as an offering embrace what god does for you is the best thing you can do embracing what god does for you is the best thing you can do for him Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Become like Jesus from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in us. God is one who does that. He develops this maturity in us. Being changed from the inside out, being matured by God, making maturing disciples, you're seeing how it's all connected. And if we're needing to mature and deepen, that must mean that there is immaturity in us, okay? Um, It must mean there's immaturity in us. And I'm avoiding making out contact with any person in particular. But there is immaturity in us. I'm just kidding. Um, We're students, right? We are students. We know that deeply, deep down, we are immature. We're learning. Uh, We have not perfected this. Um, and even Paul goes as far as to compare us, uh, for specifically the Corinthians, to babies. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't think that's quite as spicy as it reads, but uh, he goes that far. Um, I think he's just trying to be honest and really helpful. But in 1 Corinthians, he says, uh, chapter 3, he says, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. But who here feels like you're a fully mature, 100% grown up all the time? Anyone? Yeah, exactly. See? We know it. We, we admit it. I sure don't. And it's not just a joke about my height either. I don't feel 100% fully grown, mature adult all the time, okay? It's good to admit it. It's not good to think that we're beyond milk. It's not good to get ahead of ourselves and full of ourselves. There's nothing wrong with milk. I'll go back to the basics as often as I need to, and I think admitting that that's where we're at—that that's the kind of thing we need—quite often, is a step toward maturity. Isn't that kind of interesting? Sometimes we're just fooling ourselves into thinking that we're mature, we're beyond the basics, but that's actually immaturity right there. Admitting that that's where we're at, the level that we're at—we need God to give us the basics. We need to be really good at the basics. Um, we need that kind of nourishment. This past week I thought of sort of an analogy about this that may really only work for like five of us in the room, but you know, it's here, I wrote it, or it's too late to change it, so we're just gonna go with it. But uh, and when you find a way to connect something that you're sort of a nerd about to something that you have to preach about, it's like you just gotta do it. You gotta take it. those those opportunities don't come often. But um, and you guys are a captive audience, I would see who left, okay? It's too easy, so you can't go anywhere. Um, a couple years ago, I converted to cooking with cast iron exclusively, and oh. I got kind of religious about it. Some of you have heard about that. Um, and this week, some friends of mine were having trouble with their cast iron skillet, so I took it and was helping them kind of re-season it and stuff. So if you don't know anything about cast iron and seasoning, I'm going to try to keep it really simple, and then I can sort of talk your ear off later on one-on-one about it. But cast iron is exactly what it sounds like. If it's bare, it's just a hunk of iron. It's just a hunk of gray iron and it can simply rust from just the air in the room, just the moisture in the room. Uh, You probably haven't seen a piece of iron like that because it's been seasoned, but anyway. It can just rust from just being exposed to the open air. It's kind of, it's strong but fragile at the same time. And anything you cook in it would stick really badly. Eggs, no way, complete disaster. So that's why you season it. it. It can't work just as it is. Seasoning's sort of a misleading word. I remember growing up thinking it meant just like leaving, like not cleaning it and just leaving like, Food and junk on it and stuff like that, not the case at all. Seasoning is simply putting the the process of putting really thin layers of oil all over the entire surface of a cast iron pan, heating it until the oil actually transforms into a layer of polymer that adheres really strongly to the iron and protects it. You do this many, many times, layer after layer. It both protects the pan and it makes the pan essentially non-stick or low-stick. So say hello to eggs again. And there's no really way to, like, speed run this process. You can't just, like, slather a thick layer of oil all over your pan and think that's going to work. probably won't turn into a polymer. And even if it did, and you really are hacking away at the eggs you made or something like that with your spatula, you could basically take a huge chunk of the seasoning off all at once because it's all one layer. So you probably can't do it fast anyway. But even if you did, it wouldn't create the kind of layered strength that you'd want. Um, So the only way to do that is to season it one thin layer at a time, layer after layer, and it'll become a very well-protected, super-strong, slick surface pan. I think there's a bunch of lessons that we can sort of force out of this analogy that I've made us all think about now, about apprenticeship to Jesus and maturing as disciples that we can really think about from this. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes intentionality. It doesn't happen accidentally. Your pans don't get seasoned on accident. There's no one-and-done option to become like Jesus. It's slow and steady. Our nature is this easy-rusting, not-well-protected nature that's not that useful on its own. Um, It takes this slow and steady, becoming like Jesus slowly. It's a way of life. Jesus says that he's a way. He is a way. It's a way of life. You can put a bunch of things in a pan, but only one thing can actually season it, oil. You can put a a bunch of things in the pan, but only oil seasons it. Only one thing can season us. We can do a bunch of stuff. Only one thing can make us become like Jesus, and it's Jesus himself. It's spending time in God's presence. It's being with the Holy Spirit. Only one thing can season us. And this is the last one I'll I'll kind of try to pull out of this. But the point of a pan isn't just to be seasoned and to be strong and to look great hanging out on the the counter or on the stove or in the cupboard or whatever. It's for cooking food. (laughs) Pans are for cooking food. And it helps to be us to be more effective and more resilient to season it, of course, for that purpose. But it's for feeding human beings well. That's the reason. We're not supposed to get super mature and holy only to be of no good or no use to anyone. That is not the point. But to do the good works of God for his good purpose, to be God's children and his servants, to do his will, to bless others, to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. So we are not just to exist as this perfected version of ourselves all on our own. We are meant to be part of what God's doing. We must keep apprenticing under Jesus. And this last reflection um, is really sort of right off the heels of that. And it's the most specific one probably, but we really must grow in everyday outreach together. We really must grow in everyday outreach together. While we're doing these things, apprenticing, refocusing on Jesus, building layers of seasoning, being a more effective pan, we actually have to remember we're supposed to be doing something. We're supposed to be fulfilling a function. We're supposed to be part of what God's doing. This is a super challenging value of ours. From day one, adding it to the list, talking about outreach, we knew it was one we needed to grow in. We're also just coming out of COVID. So it was not like we had this feeling of like, yep, a lot of us are doing a ton of outreach. We were all had been alone and isolated and doing stuff on Zoom and whatever else when we came up with this one. But it's because God put it on our hearts to really try to think and focus and grow and spend time intentionally trying to grow in outreach. Outreach is not, honestly, the most ideal word even, um, but it's the word we have to help us kind of think of this category of people that are outside of our community and potentially even just outside of belief in Jesus. Um, We have kind of end up using that word quite loosely, so don't get confused. But right off the heels of the cast iron analogy, we've got a good pan. How can it be used well? What can we do with it? How can it bless people? Um, and obviously the idea of reaching out to people who are outside of our community, outside of belief in Jesus, is super scriptural. That's where we get the Great Commission, we know this already. In First Peter, he kind of talks about this, um, this same idea about how we interact with others. Uh, Your chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. We're to proclaim the praises. We're to be sharing about what God's done in our lives. Um, and what we've been called out of this darkness into amazing light. We're to be sharing that with other people. Uh, in the next chapter for in Peter, he says, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Do they even notice the hope that's in you, that you might even need to defend it? Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you're accused, those who disparage you for good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. But it's better to suffer for doing good, that's God's will, than for doing evil. Um, I like especially that part, just like the hope that's in you, giving a reason for the hope that's in you, and doing it with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience. Um, The purpose of the verbiage of everyday outreach in our values is sort of twofold, On one hand, because we're all out in the world among people every day. Every day we are out. We are working. We're living in neighborhoods. We can be around people at our workplaces and where we live. We can view those people with intentionality. God's placed them in our lives, and he's placed them in our lives. He's been placing us in theirs as well. It goes both ways. The other benefit of the verbiage is not just where we already are, where we already spend our time, but to make us think about doing outreach as something that should be also part of our everyday, where we already are and going where people are that we need to reach um, as part of our usual routine and our everyday um, walk with God. It's good to think of both outreaching, we already are, but also it's good to think about what can we do and where can we reach people that need to hear Jesus. Where should we go out of our way for good reason? And we've had kind of four main avenues for what we've talked about outreach Um, I've said two of them already. We've talked about our workplaces and our neighborhoods. Uh, And that's something that we need to keep thinking about, our workplaces and our neighborhoods. Some of us work remotely, but there's still avenues there. But everyone, we all live somewhere, you know. There's people that are placed around us so we can really think about how can we reach out to them. The goal, though, is not to just invite them to a thing, invite them to an event, invite them to church, whatever, but to be a blessing in their lives and to think about the relationship we have with them as something God can really use and to allow that to be customized to what they may need, allow that to be something that we really hear the Holy Spirit on and let him guide us on how we do outreach in that way. Um, I think sometimes we can just oversimplify some of that and think like, well, you know, my neighbor doesn't probably want to come to church, or uh, it would be a little weird to just bring him to a small group kind of with no prep or whatever. Well, don't do that. Spend time with them. Get, bring them over for dinner, um, have lunch with them, go on a walk, whatever. Uh, if you're if it's your coworker, try just learning more about their personal lives. Don't feel like the answer for this stuff is just like, well, I got to get into church. That's how it works. We are a relational, uh, we are big, big, big on relational ministry. The way that we think that God really accomplishes a lot is through relationships and friendships. Um, it's possible, I think, for God to do a bunch through you and someone still never step foot in a church, okay? It's very doable, so let's not limit the kind of avenues and, and ways we think that God can really work through us. Um, the, the other ways we've been talking about outreach recently and that we've been kind of slowly rolling out with some of our leaders is two very specific ones that are that are the in the category of going somewhere where we can spend time with people, going outside of where we already are. One of those is the Martin Luther King Rec Center. Um, we used to actually meet there, so it used to be something where we already were, but they do a lot of really cool events in the community and things we can help with, and relationships we can build, spending time around people that we aren't already, like, right next to and aren't already where we are. And that's a huge, valuable one, and so that's why we'll share about those events and ways we can volunteer there. Um, it's, it's really fun, and it's simple. It's a lot of, of like, making food for an event or um, helping set things up. It's practical stuff, but it builds relationships. It helps us spend time in our community, in our town, in our city, um, and, it, and it's useful. God can use that. Um, and the other one is Our Daily Bread. It's a local nonprofit helping the homeless and the at-risk in our city. And we are, this is past week, our small groups talked about ways we can actually do that on a very regular basis. We want to build that into our, our community as something we can regularly help with and something that we can build a relationship with them and partner with them. They've identified a need. They are working to try to meet it and try to do that in a godly way, but at the same time... They need volunteers, they need help, they need churches to support them. We couldn't tomorrow start our own sort of nonprofit uh, homeless ministry and do a very good job at all. I think it's great to just go support things that God is doing and be part of what He's doing there um, and build partnerships in that way. And we'll continue talking about how you can get involved in that stuff. Many of the people here are already in adult small groups, so you've heard this talked about this past week. Uh, but we'll continue to be announcing that kind of stuff and showing you how to volunteer there and trying to build this momentum and this excitement about it. Uh, where people are posting, hey, I'm going to go volunteer over there and help cook some food or sort some donations or whatever else. Who wants to come with me? It's something we can do together and um, and really enjoy and know that it's it's blessing people that God really cares about. Um, people that that really need some basic stuff and that we can really show God's love to them just by going and, and doing simple things like that. So we really must grow in our everyday outreach together. I think when we're looking at our values and seeing the ways we can grow in a bunch of them, I think this is one that is just gonna take more sort of oomph, more intentionality, more, um, none of these happen on accident, but this one definitely does not. We do not accidentally find ourselves outreaching. <laughs> well, to our neighbors, coworkers, we do not accidentally find ourselves um, going and volunteering, and just being like, "Whoa, how did I get here? I'm volunteering right now. What the heck?" Or I'm helping set up at the MLK, and I'm, "Oh, this is cool. How did I get here?" It doesn't happen on accident. Um, so those are my ramblings. Those are my reflections. Those are my observations on our mission, vision, and values. Um, thanks for listening to them. <laughs> I want to say a short prayer, um, and then after, I'm going to just kind of pray, and then aft at the end, I want to close with the Lord's prayer. We spent time talking about the Lord's prayer. Um, later kind of in the fall and just uh, using that in our prayer life, re- recognizing God's purpose, Jesus' purpose and really teaching the disciples to pray that. So we're going to keep that being part of, of our, our prayer as a community and we want to encourage you to do that in your individual time with God as well. As you're saying the words, think about them. Um, if you're someone like me who did memorize it as a kid, try to really think about what you're praying as you pray it and realize the weight of each, each word. But let's pray. Oh, Lord... Um, we just ask that you would really just continue the work that you're doing in our community. Um, Help us to not grow weary. Help us to um, recognize what you're doing, the good work that you're doing, the changes you're making. Help us to remember what we've been called to um, as believers and what you have done in us. When we think about the darkness that we have been called out of, And for many of us, that is an ever-present memory right in front of our minds, the darkness of our lives before we knew you, Jesus. Help us just to have this hope that we want to share. Help us just to remember the stakes are real. Um, There's people who don't know about you, and we have something that's worth sharing and worth um, finding a way to do that. Lord, help us remember there's a whole reason for this thing. We get a bunch of benefits out of it. We get get friendship, we get... um, uh, joy and love and fun and all kinds of things being a part of a community but let us not forget the main reason we're here the main reason is what you are doing what you have done in our lives let's not lose sight of that oh, lord i pray that as we continue to each um you know semester talking about our mission and vision and values that you'd help us to be able to recognize the things that you're doing recognize the things that are changing and be very willing to admit what things are um, in desperate need of attention, what things really need to be tended to. Um, Lord, help us just to be students of your word, be students of you as a person, be apprentices of you. Help us to be with you, become like you and do what you did. Um, Lord, everything I'm praying is a bunch of us just needing to really rely on you. Help us to do that. Help us to really submit to you. And Lord, we just need you every step of the way. Let's say Lord's prayer together.
1: I'm probably standing right in front of the announcements now, though, but we'll do our best. Good morning. morning. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Um, We miss our college students, but we're glad you're here. I'm pulling up my announcements. Sorry, I struggle. Okay, ladies, next Saturday, we have a ladies' breakfast. It's going to be at 9.30, and we're going to do breakfast and coffee and a devotional. And we would love for all of you that are here to join us. It's going to be at Tate and Aaron's house. And one of the things I want you to do is, first of all, if you are sitting in here, we want you to be there. And secondly, I want you to look around and see people who aren't sitting in here, women who aren't sitting in here. So even if it's like Jessica, who's back in jam, and Melissa, who's back in jam, Uh, Make sure they know about it. Make sure you tell them what we're doing. Um, If there's someone you're thinking of that you really want to be there, make sure you reach out to them this week and you invite them to come. Because the way we get people to come who normally wouldn't is by inviting them personally. And so please take some time to think about that and do that this week. Also, some of you may not have noticed, but on our website... When we have people that are new, they can choose to have a buddy when they come for the first time. So, like, they can say, yes, I'm interested in having a buddy. And then we pair them up with somebody when they come to church on Sunday that will sit with them and talk with them and invite them to lunch afterwards. We can do the same type thing for our women's breakfast. So whether it's that you are new and don't know anybody and would like to have a buddy Whether it's that you're going through a particular time of sadness or anxiety and it would just help you to have somebody there with you that you know is going to be there for you. If you'll just let me know, then I'll make sure that we pair you up with a buddy for the women's breakfast. Okay? Sound good? We want all of you there, ladies. Okay, next, Ronnie's Ministry Workshops. And so for those of you who don't know, Ronnie Worsham is one of the uh, pastors at our church in Garland, and he is transitioning out of his role there into more of a consultant role for all of our family of churches. And so he's agreed to do workshops for uh, one a month for the next year, and it's going to be on all kinds of different topics. The first one is going to be January the 22nd from 2 to 5. It's called Managing Self and Others, and you can kind of see some of the things that he'll be talking about and going over in that workshop. And if you want more information about that, you can get it uh, through our newsletter. You can also get it um, online as well, and Mighty Networks. So those are places you can go. You can sign up there. You can find out where it's gonna be in Carrollton at C-square, and then what the price is for that. And then somebody from the worship team, come and tell us about the sign-up for that. And Hannah, will you come on up to talk about the sound training as well?
0: Hi. Hi. Uh, So we are needing a few people to sign up. We are always loving to have people sign up. And specifically what we're looking for right now is for vocalists and pianists, people who can play on the keyboard, stuff like that, so uh, text me. Uh, My number is right there. Um, If you don't uh, know my number, I think my wife remembers it uh, by memory, right? There we go, cool. Uh, So, uh, yes, text me if you're interested. I can give you a little bit more details from there. Um, But, uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) So we have a sound team training. And it's going to be January 29th after church. If you're interested, we're going to feed you lunch. So um, don't just come just to eat the pizza. Please come if you're interested to <laughs> serve on sound team. Um And yeah, so Anthony and Mason. Mason, where are you? He's over here. They're gonna help lead it. I'll be there to record the whole thing and we're gonna have an in-depth of what sound team setup looks like in the morning from picking it up from Darby and Drew's garage to bringing it here, um, doing EQing of sound stuff, vocals, all that. So it's gonna be a packed hour and a half and we're excited to see new members. Join the sound team, we need your help. Okay, I'm going to put in a plug for sound team. Um, Sound team is something we have to have to make church happen every week. And oftentimes the reason people don't want to participate in that is because they don't know how to do it. So this training is to make sure that anybody who's interested in helping with that doesn't have that fear of, I don't know what to do. They're going to train you and tell you exactly what you need to do for that. So if you are somebody you know, if you know somebody that you're like, I think they would be really good at this or be really interested in this, tell them that. They need to hear that. And ask them to come to the workshop that's going to be held. On your calendar, we're going to start doing signups for our all-church retreat here pretty soon. So make sure you have March 25th and 26th on your calendar. We'll be going to Lake LeVon, which is about maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes from here. And we'll stay Saturday night. So we'll be there all day Saturday, stay Saturday night, and be there half a day on Sunday. We will not meet at the GDAC on that weekend. So even if you can only come out for church on Sunday morning, which we would be super sad because you would be missing out on a lot. But if that's what you can do, then you can come out to Lake LeVon on Sunday morning to join us. And then giving, so one of the things I wanted to update you on is that before Christmas, when we had our kind of Christmas service, we, um, no, that's not true, back to Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, we donated money for our daily bread to be able to buy meals for the people that they serve while they were transitioning to their new facility. And I got a thank you note for them this week, saying that they were able to provide two meals for their guests with the money that we donated to them. So thank you for doing that. Um, That was such a huge help to them during that time. um, And we just appreciate your giving there. And then also just a reminder that we aren't passing the baskets uh, for donations, but we still need those in order to operate. And so you can do that through Tithely, which is on our website or also through Venmo either way. And if you have any questions at all about our budget or about giving, you can ask Josh or I and we're happy to answer any questions that you have about that. We'll be talking about it again soon just to give you an update, but just know that anytime you have questions, you're welcome to ask. Are there any announcements I missed this morning? Okay, then um, I'm going to pray for us and I'm also going to pray again for our focus students that are at their retreat this morning and then I hope you'll go and have a great day and a great week. And um, God, we just thank you um, for the opportunity to meet together this morning. Uh, we thank you for the observations and reminders that Josh gave us this morning about our mission, vision, and values and I just pray that you'll continue to grow us in each of those things. I pray, God, that we'll be intentional um, that we'll think through those things, that we'll pray about them, that we'll get your input on them, and that we'll personally ask where we personally need to grow in that. But God, I pray that you'll use us as a church um, just to be people who really love Jesus in our community and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods, Um, I pray, God, that we would glorify you in everything that we do. I pray for our focus students while they're at camp. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move through that camp in the way that he always does, in power to bring um, restoration, to bring new life to the students that are there. And we thank you so much for them. We miss them when they're gone, and we just pray you'll give them safety and give everybody health while they're at camp. And I pray they'll come back fired up and inspire all of us as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, have a good week, guys. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.